Well, good evening. Appreciate you joining me this evening for this little Bible study on Wednesday evening. I appreciate you coming and listening to me. I'm Pastor Darren Sluter from Briley Chapel Community Church in Lewis, Indiana. If you have a copy of God's Word with you tonight, we're going to go to two different places tonight. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1, and we're also going to be in Matthew chapter 27. Acts chapter 1, Matthew 27. So get your Bibles out and join me for a, just a brief uh, moment of just kind of discussing some Scripture. Now, when Jesus was crucified, they buried him in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day we know that he arose, And but with them, a lot of people don't realize with that there were several others, actually numerous others, raised with Jesus, and we don't really catch that, we kind of miss it, but let's see what the Acts chapter 1 says here. This is... Uh, Dr. Luke, by the way, writing this, Luke, who was a physician, uh, wrote Acts, and, and after uh, intensive study, he put all everything that he found to pen. And it says, The former account that I made to you, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive. So this is proof positive. He was alive after the resurrection. He was not, the, the Snopes theory, or Swope's theory was, uh, was, was wrong. Uh, and that theory is that, oh, Jesus never was really dead. Jesus actually just um, was unconscious from all of the pain and, and uh, of, of the scourging and, and the nails through his hands and his feet and and uh, he just was unconscious from the pain. They just thought he was dead. And they went and laid him in the tomb. And then when they put him on that cold rock, it took a while, but he revived. And he got up and, and come out of, the, out of the tomb. Well, there's several reasons why that didn't happen. First of all, who would have been there to roll the stone away? Yes, Jesus could have called angels and rolled the stone away. But uh, if he was thinking he was just a man by that, not thinking that he really died then he would have had to have rolled the stone away. But the actual reality of it is, is the Romans were very good at what they did. This was not just some slipshod type thing they decided to do. They were very good at killing people. And these soldiers were the best soldiers in all of the world at that time. There weren't any better soldiers at all. So to think that a centurion, which would be sort of like our captains today, a captain in the army. He's been around a while. He's well-seasoned. And he's seen a lot of death. Not only did he know that Jesus was dead, he passed, uh, stopped from breaking his legs, but also they shoved a spear up into his side and blood and water come out. Now, why blood and water? First of all, uh, they pierced his side and it went up into the chest cavity and could possibly, depending how deep it went, could have possibly pierced the heart. We don't know for sure. No one did an autopsy on Jesus. They did not do a post-mortem. We have really no idea, but we do know they stabbed him with a spear. 
and that spear point was approximately six inches long. So we know at least went in six inches, if not more. So we know it got into the lung cavities at least. And by way of suffocation, his lungs were filling up with fluid and he literally suffocated. And because of, of the traumatic beating that he took and so forth, uh, he would have suffocated and there would have been a lot of uh, bodily fluid coming out. So they would have hit the, the sac around the lung and they would have hit the, the, the pleural sac around the lung and they would have, could have hit the pericardium, the sac around the heart. We don't know, but blood and water both flowed out. And this Roman centurion knew that Jesus was dead. Uh, there was no more proof to be had. No more proof to be had. He was dead. He did not even flinch when they stabbed him with that spear. So this theory of that Jesus was laid on this cold slab of, of limestone or marble or whatever it was, rock, we don't know really for sure. And all of a sudden he come back to life hours later um, is just really baloney. It didn't happen. Uh, and second of all, we know he was seen by his disciples and not just the 12. There were a lot of other people that saw him that were in that upper room as well. And they saw him and were proof positive. The two men that were on the road to Emmaus come back and reported to Peter and them that they had seen Jesus and talked with Jesus as well. And of course, the women, Mary Magdalene and, and Salome and several others, of course. And then, uh, you know, he walked through the walls and and uh, just appeared out of nowhere and, and spoke to them. And he, uh, eight days later, did the same thing when Thomas was amongst them. And then Thomas finally believed. We have that record in John. And uh, you've heard me preach on that Easter Sunday as well. Uh, so there's many, many records of him uh, being alive and coming around, walking around people and being around them. Matter of fact, it was not a ghost that they saw because a ghost don't eat and drink. Where is it going to go if it's a ghost if you eat and drink? The, Jesus ate broiled fish and drank. So how in the world can a ghost eat and drink? So it blew that theory out of the water. So the resurrection is very important for you and I to believe. It's very important. It's just, it's just as important to believe in his virgin birth as it is his sacrificial death. So we must believe in both of them, and that's the in centrality to Christianity. Now let's look what he said in verse four of, uh, or verse three. Uh, we'll continue in chapter one, verse three of Acts. It says to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them all of these people during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining unto the kingdom of God. In verse 4, says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So we know that 10 days before Pentecost, Jesus ascended into heaven. So 40 days after Passover, 40 days after our Easter, Jesus ascended. So he was seen for 40 days. And let's turn over to Matthew 27. I want to look at this 
other piece of scripture here with you and to give you an idea what's taking place. And we had talked about that uh, a couple of um, podcasts back. But um, let's look at Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to look at verse 51. And it says, And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks split. Now that was a prophecy of Zechariah in 11, 10 and 11. Uh, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 10 and 11. Um, verse 52 said, And the graves were opened. Wait a minute, preacher. That doesn't happen until the rapture of the church. Well, we had our first resurrection before then. So look at this. The graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, meaning who were dead, were raised. Verse 53, And coming out of their graves after his resurrection, Jesus was a first fruit. Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection. He was the first one to be resurrected from the dead. And so these were a type of first fruits as well. These were the Old Testament saints. These were the saints that that died knowing God, that was found be like uh, you know Moses and Amos and and Elijah and Enoch. All of the or not Enoch, but Elijah and all of these others that had fallen asleep, knowing God very well and and considered to be righteous. And notice it said, coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. They went in and appeared to many. Can you believe that? Can you imagine sitting in town and all of a sudden seeing people that had been dead for several hundred years, maybe a thousand years, maybe two thousand years, walking around, and you're thinking, what in the living world? This guy looks like what they told me Elijah looked like, or or this guy told me what this what Moses might have looked like, or this what you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine? some of the stories that would have been told by seeing these people. And yes, I know Elijah was not dead and in the grave, that Elijah was taken up you know, into heaven by a whirlwind. But I'm using that as an example because we all heard stories of Elijah. We all heard stories of how you know he was kind of a, a, a wild person, sort of like how John the Baptist was. And you can imagine how John the Baptist looked, you know, being wild, wearing a leather girdle made out of, of, of uh, camel's hair. So you can imagine all of these Old Testament saints walking around. Why did that happen? And I told you a little bit about that is because he embolished paradise. If you remember the thief on the cross, he looked at the thief on the cross and said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. But when Jesus resurrected, once he ascended into heaven, he took all of those Old Testament saints with him into heaven. Now, Let's go on and let's look at this. Verse 54. Now when the centurion and those who were with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly and said, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him were there looking on from afar. And Mary, the mother of Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now when even had come, uh, there come a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had been a secret disciple. And we know what happened. They, they wrapped him in a cloth and they buried him and so on. But 
what I wanted to bring to your attention is the infallible proofs, and we have several right here in Scripture. One of them is the very fact that Jesus did come back to life, and Jesus was walking around and was seen by not only all of the disciples, but everyone that was in that room. And, and we know at Pentecost there was over 120 at least in that room, if not more. Now, also, there could have been exactly that when he walked through the wall several times and, and made himself known to them. But the other fallible proof of a resurrection was that the Old Testament saints resurrected too because that's what Matthew said, and the graves were open, and the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, coming out of their graves after his resurrection. And then they went into the holy city. You know, today we would call that sort of like the zombie apocalypse, but that's not how they looked. They weren't nasty looking. They had glorified bodies. They weren't zombies. They had glorified bodies. They looked who they looked like, but they had perfected bodies. The Bible says we'll be known as we are. So, you know, we're not going to be like the angels with wings and floating around, etc. We do not turn into angels. That's not what a- angels are, a created being like you and I are. We do not become angels when we die. So, there are many proofs that Jesus was raised from the dead. We have all sorts of theories, and we discussed that one about Jesus uh, hitting the cold slab and coming back to life and really wasn't uh, uh, dead. And we've, we've made that out to be false, and we've made uh, several others out to be false. But I want to tell you how central that is to our belief that Jesus really raised from the dead. You really can't be a Christian and not believe it. You cannot say, well, you know, I believe Jesus was a, was a good man, and I believe he was a prophet, and, and I believe, you know, he healed people and so forth. But I don't believe this stuff about him dying and and going and coming back to life. I just don't believe it. Well, then, my friend, let me tell you, you're not a Christian. Because in order to be a Christian, you have to believe that. And, you know, if you cause doubt on any of the Scripture, on any of the Word of God, doesn't that cast doubt on the whole thing? If you cast doubt on just a little bit of Scripture, if you say, boy, you know, I I really don't think that happened, I really don't believe that, then how can you believe the rest of it? How can you believe any of it if you doubt any of it whatsoever? You really, that's where faith actually comes in. Faith comes in the fact that you believe it regardless. Faith is believing something that you've not seen yet. That's what Hebrews 11 says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You're hoping for it and you can't see it yet. But you know it's coming. That's called faith. I know God's going to heal me. That's called faith. I have faith to believe that God will heal me. That's You're not healed yet. But you know he will heal you. And that's exactly what 90% of the people God healed said. I believe. I believe. The question is, do you, my friend, do you believe? Do you believe all of this? I mean, we have all sorts of uh, a great time at Easter time and it's become almost like Christmas it's become so commercialized and we we make it out to be fun for the children you know it becomes a children's game type thing and and we uh, have the Easter Bunny hide eggs you know and, and they go and they find these eggs and and we have you know this whole myth about Easter but you know that that part of Easter is actually a pagan ritual that has crept into the church 
Easter eggs were used for other reasons uh, that does symbol is a symbol of new life however it was a symbol of new life to the ancient Babylonian mother-child cult it was not a symbol of new life for Jesus Christ and we have taken that in the Christian church and we've added that and say oh well that's a symbol of Jesus now how the rabbit gets involved I have no idea except you know it's got something to do with the the sexual connotation of the Babylonian cult so I am not real sure how that come about but I do know by studying the ancient Babylonian cult, the mother-child cult, that they really had a um, a fetish with with sex, and, and sex-type worship would bring you closer to God. So we actually have made Easter almost like Christmas, where there's a Santa Claus and things like that, and we've actually turned it so pagan, but in reality, when we celebrate that, we're celebrating the risen Savior. And do you really believe that? Down deep in your heart of hearts tonight, do you really believe that Jesus Christ died for you and rose again on that third day and is alive and well, just as sure as you and I are alive at this very moment? Do you believe that in your heart of hearts? That's the question I have for you tonight. It's very important. It's very important what you believe. And folks, let me tell you, what you believe doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means what you believe in your heart whether you might think it could be something else do you really believe it you see you've got to know that you know that you know it can't be half truths you can't say well i believe i believe that he died but i don't believe he resurrected no 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 you can't do that you cannot do that it's all or none here you also got to remember in jesus talking to the seven churches when he was writing to the church through John the Revelator, through to the church of Laodicea, he said, I wish you were either hot or cold, but instead you're lukewarm. And since you're lukewarm, I will vomit you, I will spew you out of my mouth. There's no middle ground here. There's no middle ground with Jesus. There's no such thing as lukewarm Christian. If you're a lukewarm Christian, you're bound for hell. He said, I wish you were cold or hot, but since you're neither, you're lukewarm Literally, you make me sick. You make me vomit. So you, you either choose to believe or you don't. And that's very central to our Christian belief. What is it with you tonight? Do you believe? My friend, it's very simple. If the Word said it, that settles it for me. If the Word said it happened, I believe it. And if the Word said it's going to happen, I believe it. And yes, I know I've not been saved as long as most of you probably listening to this podcast. But I want to tell you something. I've seen too many miracles of God himself not to believe. I've seen way too many miracles not to believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. I believe it all front to back. And I hope you do too. Thank you for listening tonight. Hopefully that challenged you a little bit on your faith, challenged you a little bit on your belief, maybe give you an understanding of what the Bible was talking about in Matthew a little bit. Um, But I hope you enjoyed it. We will be having a drive-in service this Sunday at Briley Chapel Community Church in Lewis, Indiana. Service will start at 10.30. Music will start about a quarter after 10.00. 
and then we will, we will start our worship service. Our worship service will begin at 10.30. If you pull into the parking lot uh, and tune your radio to 88.3 on the FM dial, you will be able to hear it. You can stay in your automobiles and stay within social distancing guidelines. There will be an opportunity underneath a canopy should you want to uh, give your tithe or your offering. You can drive under the canopy, roll down your window, drop it, drop your uh, finances or your gifts in the box and drive on out and go to your parking spot. Uh, but we look forward to seeing you Sunday at 1030 at Briley Chapel Church. And it will be a radio service as well as a Facebook live service as well. So be sure you join us again this Sunday. We're going to be having a, a, a good service. It's always a good service at Briley Chapel, but nonetheless, we're going to have a good service, and we're going to be looking at a couple of questions uh, Sunday. So please join us. Thank you for listening. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. <laughs>